Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard, and thanks to Crymalt, this is a special companion episode to this week's Bruise News Week, in which I speak with Richard Kelsey and Jeff Hewins from Beer Cartel. We do discuss the Beer Cartel crowdsource funding offer in this week's episode, and I wanted to catch up with Richard and Jeff just to find out a little bit more about the background to it, and particularly the valuation, and the conversation went a little bit longer than we were planning, so rather than run it as an insert to the main edition, this is a companion episode. Enjoy it, and as always, jump into the Radio Brews News Facebook group to let us know what you think. Jeff Hewins, Richard Kelsey, welcome to Brews News Week. Yeah, thanks. thanks Great to be here. Both of you, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, big week for you guys this week. You've been uh, out with the... Um, expressions of interest for the uh, crowdsource funding. And uh, yes, they went live and uh, blew away the minimum investment uh, in, in the first day. And you're at 150% as we record this uh, at three o'clock on Wednesday, the 23rd of June. So by the time anyone hears this, you'll be uh, into the public offer. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah thanks very much. We're very much. after a, a great start and uh, yeah, can't wait to, to welcome more people into the Beer cartel family and kind of see it go from there. Now, we might come back to family because that's uh, got an ominous uh, ring to it based on other equity <laughs> crowdfunding. Um, but let's let's talk about um, the the reasons why. Was it a hard decision for you? Have you been thinking about this for a while? So for us, um, it, it's it's. I mean, we, we've had the business uh, going for the last twelve years. We, we've uh, seen it successfully grow over that time. Um, I guess that you get to a point where you you want to accelerate that growth, um, and so we then started thinking about what ways we could then leverage that and and, and take it further. Um, so that there's going to the bank, uh, one option. Uh, going to I guess uh, very high end investors. Um, that, that that that's another way, um, but you then don't get the necessary. The, the, the sort of mass and the, the advocacy that that you get with lots of individual shareholders, um, and, and that's kind of what what attracted us to to crowdfunding. So we, we've been watching, I guess, with interest that the crowdfunding take place since I think it was 2018 was when it became legislated that it was allowed, um, and we've seen, uh, I guess, the success of different breweries that have done it over the time, and, and just the, the the crowdfunding industry grow over that time as well. So it, it made it kind of a, almost a no-brainer for us as a potential route to go forward. Okay, well, we might park that idea of the success of breweries of crowd crowdfunding because I think it's worked out successfully for some of the breweries, not so much the shareholders. But again, we'll, we'll come back to that. Sure. Um, what, what's, uh, what's the ambition? So um, you, you've got a minimum target of 250000 You've exceeded that. Um, you've got a maximum of $2 million. Um, what's the plan and, and how will that charge the business, assuming you, uh, well, you've got the minimum, assuming you fit somewhere up until the, uh, the, the maximum? Uh, what will the money uh, do for the business? Yeah, I think the, the big thing, Matt, is just being able to accelerate the growth that we've had. So to date, uh, the business has been kind of funded organically, um, reinvesting profits that we've made over the last 12 years. And it's kind of thinking to the future about how we can accelerate it. And so, by getting additional funding that isn't just organic growth within the business, we're able to do things uh, more quickly uh, and at an accelerated pace. So something that 
we might be holding off to do uh, to get organic kind of growth and might take us two or three years or four years to do, we might be able to do that in a 12 to 24 month um, kind of program. Looking at the prospectus, the last eighteen months, particularly with COVID, has been a like a, has been a big boost for the business in terms of people looking for online, um, looking at local, and, and that's been you know a, a real positive. And again, um, as a industry observer, you know, you know, as a business, you guys have certainly um, done it right. Um, you know, you, you've been good operators and, and all of those sorts of things. The flip side, though, is I guess it's a very competitive marketplace. Um, you know, it's you, you're a, a relatively small player against the Dan Murphys. Amazon's entered the entered the space. What will this money let you do to compete against some of those big names of uh, you know online uh, delivery and and online sales? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is a competitive space. Uh, I guess because we've been around for so long. Naturally, in, in Google, we're actually um, found quite easily. So if you're doing a sort of craft beer-related search, um, we, we typically come up near the, the top of searches anyway. Um, and that, and, and just, I guess, our, our support of, of the industry just generally, and things like the craft beer survey that we do each year, they all help, I guess, uh, create that sort of point of difference to the likes of Dan Murphy's, um, and, and so we've got that plus a, a, a sort of range that that, that are our kind of major strengths. But then what we're going to do is, is use the funds from this raise to, to then amplify everything. So one of the big things with uh, uh, selling craft beer online is, is maximising the conversion rate. So for every 100 people that go to the website, uh, that if you get two people that, that buy, then you've got a 2% conversion rate. Um, so one of the things is just making changes to the site that that then helps those. The other is is around um, just getting more people into the site, uh, uh, doing, doing the marketing that we do in, in, in a better way to, to make sure that we're, one, building up our, our database of, of people that, that we, we market to each week. Um, but then it's also people that are just, actively browsing on, on the internet and, and looking for great beers. So th- those are two kind of uh, parts of it. The other is is around a, a membership model. So we've got our, our, our beer subscription, which we've had for the last 12 years. Um, and, and so that that's Australia's uh, longest running uh, subscription. Um, and and that, that's been really strong. But we also want to make it so that people will choose online as a number one sort of choice for for buying beer so um with the membership model we're, we're going to go down the road of of looking at a free shipping type offer a discount offer um so making things that are attractive to people to actually buy beer online um and i guess that that hopefully will then take us not just from competing online but make us kind of relevant compared to, to bottle shops as well it, it's interesting you say uh, about Google and your online presence, and you know, undoubtedly um, your, your name springs to mind because you have been around for such a long time and you've been such a supporter of craft beer and you, you do have the survey. Um, but I, I, I'll be completely honest, <laughs> you know, I would much rather... Um, if I'm buying online to gift something or, you know, I sponsor you know, through Brews News, we sponsor beer competitions and uh, things like that. And often we'll give away a, a package and, twi- twi- and 
I'll admit this is my own failing to some extent, but twice I've gone to um, just type in beer cartel into Google to mm. go straight to you, and I've actually purchased from Craft Cartel by a complete mistake um, because they've come up um, as as number one. So it, it's not just as simple as having the the the, the survey. And as a, you know, I, I would class myself as an informed um, consumer who is reasonably savvy but you know just in that on autopilot i've twice given my business to a company that i didn't want to um you know it, it is having a brand awareness enough um to you know in in, in a much bigger marketplace yeah i guess to that so um yeah it, it is definitely one of the challenges that you've got within the online space so uh, with you, you've got uh, organic search, which we do really well, and then you've also got the the sort of uh, advertising banners that you you've got in Google as well. So um, that it's definitely an opportunity for us to actually refine that and, and make sure that we are still very relevant. Um, I guess even with that that sort of consideration, we're still seeing growth that is higher than our twenty five percent that we've been having uh, year on year. So. I think there's lots of opportunity going forward and we're trying to, at the moment, make the most of everything. And I think with things like that, the crowdfunding investment, that we can actually improve on these things even further to hopefully be able to accelerate that growth further again. And I think that to add a couple of points to that, one thing to your question, Matt, about kind of big players in the market, the likes of Dan Murphy's and Amazon. Um, being a smaller player actually allows us to be quite nimble as well. So we, we can actually um, kind of fulfill a demand in the market where those those bigger players are restricted by by their size. And then a second point to that is that um, by being a smaller player, it actually means that, that we then have uh, kind of room for growth. So we're, we're trying to grow within a market that that is has got a decent size, uh, and we're coming from a kind of a, a smaller. Um, base compared to those um, large players, and we're we're chipping away. But when you say you, you, you're more nimble, I, I, I presume that means you can sort of have some of the the, the smaller, more esoteric beers that the the, the, the big um, retailers aren't likely to carry. You know, sort of carry uh, more lines of smaller scale beers. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's, it's it's largely around products, so it's about ranging products. So whether it be limited releases that. That they can't get into into their systems fast enough, or it might even be, um, say, like a new a new kind of pack release or, or product release that, that we decide to do based on um, the trends that we're kind of seeing in the market, where they, they might take kind of months to get to it, um, and we can kind of react in different days. But they're a much smaller. I, I guess that's the thing. Like I've I've just been watching the um, craft industry, and not not that we've reached reached peak craft, but there seems to be a I don't know how much the small batch craft market is actually growing, you know, outside of the the, the people that were the early adopters to it. If, if there is a growth of the craft beer market, it seems to be more in that mainstream skewing craft beer market. Is that a reasonable observation or do you disagree with that? I'd say that there, there's definitely a trickle-down effect um, across the board because if the larger... Uh, piece of the pie is growing in, in kind of the bigger kind of, if you want to call it mainstream craft, um, then that has to trickle down as people kind of progress along their journey of craft beer and are seeking out 
uh, kind of different different beers and different flavors and different tastes. So um, I, I would have to say that yeah, overall, if the total pie total pie at the if you want to call it the the top end of, of larger craft is growing, then then the rest of craft has to kind of come along with it. And I think to that, Matt, that there's also just the the, the sheer increase in, in package product that we're seeing. So we, we get 20 to 30 new beers every week. Um, and, and they're from all range of breweries, whether it's a, a bent spoke through to a, a tiny little brewery. So there, there's lots of um, product that, that, that's being put into package product that's in the market that, that isn't necessarily getting to, to the likes of Dan Murphy. So it is providing people the, uh, a place to actually get those beers and, and to experience something that, that is outside of the mainstream sort of your, your Stonewood Pacific Ale, your Bent Spoke, Barley Griffin, that, that you typically find at Dan Murphy's type thing. Mm. But again, I, 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 I'm not certain where the growth potential is for that um, but that's again, that's my observation. Did you guys see on Brews News yesterday that we had a story out of New Zealand about Yeasty Boys? Um, they uh, were looking to sell a twelve and a half percent share of Yeasty Boys to a distributor in the UK. I don't know if you saw that one. No, I missed it. So okay, no, no, no. I, I, you don't need to have read the story, but it was really interesting to see they did an equity crowdfunding in twenty fourteen, and they had three, um, you know, growth models you know gold silver and a bronze um for where they expected to be in in their horizon at that stage was just 2018 but it was interesting to see that in 2021 when they're trying to sell their you know they equity crowdfunded um they were the first brew to equity crowdfund they were very early into the craft beer great brand awareness you know on a on a good trajectory at a time that craft beer was growing very very quickly and you know uh, four years past their four-year horizon, they still hadn't hit that um, growth. You know, they're their most conservative growth model. I, I guess you know. Again, there's no perfect analog for that, but online retail in the alcohol space is in um, what I would suggest is a similar growth trajectory to craft breweries were ten years ago. But just because it's growing now doesn't mean that you're going to hit the growth that it's going to hit the growth projections and there's no guarantees that you're going to get the projections i mean have you um factored that in i guess so thinking about the yeasty boys um one that i think they've probably gone down a different road to to where we've kind of seen success with craft breweries so that in new zealand they haven't ever had a brewery themselves they haven't had a brewery in the uk which is kind of now where their, their home base is so I think having that 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 spiritual home, that that place where people can go and visit for craft breweries, is is really essential. And if you go to the likes of, uh, say, Two Birds or even Endeavour, prior to well, Two Birds is probably the best example. But if you go to look at them prior to owning their their, their brewery, the Nest down in Melbourne, um, I, I think things were a lot harder to to really gain traction. Um, and, and it's only when you have have a brewery that that you can really accelerate things. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess for Yeasty Boys, that, that that that's kind of been the case is, is that without having that home, that that's probably held them back a bit. Um, for us, I, I think first and foremost, our aim is to to, to maintain our sort of twenty five percent growth year on year. We've, we've done it for the, the last five years, and and 
uh, I think this year we're, we're actually quite a, a bit above that. Um, and I, I think that the main thing is doing everything we can to, to maintain that, that growth going forward. So if we can get to that 25%, that's great, but we really want to try and accelerate from there. And looking at, at where online is, um, we're coming off a pretty small base, really. Um, so last year, I, I think online sales accounted for 16.3% of all retail um, in Australia. Um, if you look at the likes of uh, China, it's getting to, to 50%. Um, so I, I think that there, there is going to be a, a continual shift to online and it's not going to happen all at once. It's going to be quite gradual. But the thing is that when people actually experience shopping online, they, they actually uh, see how convenient it is. And I, I think when they you go back to, to pre-buying online, the, the, the thing that people kind of rejected was that it didn't seem to be that convenient. I had to be home or, or whatever it may be. Um, but now there's, there's different ways and means that you can kind of get around that, whether you, you get the parcel sort of left at your front door, whether you get it delivered to your work or what it, whatever it may be. Um, I, I think uh, online's got a, a lot of room left in it to grow. And I, I think we'll be seeing that, uh, yeah. But aren't you competing the against the Jimmy Brings, you know, where they can get it to you within an hour? Um, and admittedly, they're not going to have the range that you guys have got, but for your range to give an advantage over the convenience that the major retailers have means that the, you know, the, for want of a better term, the esoteric craft market has to grow, you know, faster than it's, it's growing now to, to beat the convenience of just having, you know, the more. Yeah. I, I think it's very much horses for courses. So um, Jimmy Brings is the perfect one for need it now, now alcohol. Um, and like you say, the, the thing that you're giving up on is, is range. Um, so there, there, I think there's a time and a place for, for kind of different models um, and different models work in different places. Um, where, uh, if where we are at the moment, we're, we're starting off with a, a very kind of low base. So we've got uh, basically 5 million revenue that we'll have done for this financial year. But uh, I think there's still a huge amount of room left in the market and, and we don't need to occupy a very big share to, to grow that significantly at all. Okay, and I, I guess that brings us then to the valuation because I, I'll be honest, I drew breath when I saw a $20 million valuation um, on the business. How did you come come at that? Yeah, so we, we looked at it both from, I guess, e-commerce businesses and then also from uh, the, the craft beer industry itself. So uh, in the e-commerce world, there was... Adore Beauty that listed on the ASX uh, last year that they had a 3.9 times revenue valuation. Um, and then we looked at, at, at what we've kind of seen in the craft uh, crowdfunding space for craft breweries. So uh, Batch is probably the best example that that listed earlier this year and that they used a four times revenue valuation, which is exactly the same as, as what we've gone with. Um, so we, we use those as guiding principles to the actual valuation. And then they, we had, I guess, we made sure that the kind of uh, the reasons behind the valuation were, were, were sort of sound. So that we know that we're in a strong growth industry, both in uh, e-commerce and in craft beer. So um, 
I guess that, that part makes no? sense. I, I guess that was the, the, the question I was asking earlier. Is, is craft beer growing strongly? I, I would still say that, that, that the market overall has is, is, is got a good appetite. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen the, the figures that, that, uh, that you guys report on each year. Um, I, I think that there's definitely room for, for future growth. Uh, going forward and um, yeah we're, we're just trying to I guess make sure that that, that we're doing doing our best to kind of be part of that um, all the while if we can then get an extra bit of that overall share as well that, that that's great and and it, like, one thing is to kind of consider when you when you ask is there growth in the craft beer category one thing is kind of looking at where our revenue streams are right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you've got beer on its own. So someone buying a six pack or singles or a case of beer. But then we've also got other revenue streams, um, that are driving growth within our business. Um, so we've got like our beer subscription model. Um, and, and that's got, um, that's got room for further growth to, to where it currently is at. Um, and then the other aspect where, where we see, um, currently strong growth potential and, and future strong growth potential is within the kind of beer gifting space. Um, where we've also got kind of revenue streams set up and ready to go uh, and experience in that. So um, with regards to the exact percentage growth within kind of craft beer, if, if you're looking at it from a perspective of just kind of single bottle sales or six-pack and case sales of craft beer, that's one avenue. But then there's the other avenue is, is how is that packaged up for consumers. So whether it be in a like a beer subscription model um, that we've touched on before, um, or the big kind of gifting kind of category, which which we've got um, quite good strength in. What do you guys take away from Boozebud buying back from CUB? You know, I, I guess when they were bought out, it was a big, um, you know, tip of the hat to the online space. But for CUB to be willing to sell back um, Boozebud wouldn't seem to, you know, be a, a, a huge vote of confidence in in the online uh, beer sales market. Uh, so it's interesting when you think about it. So I, I think um, now that we're in sort of post COVID world or going through co- the end of COVID, hopefully, or that that the reduction in restrictions and seeing probably the growth that that Booze Buds experienced over the last year, um, CU Asahi might have been a bit disappointed at however much that they would have. Uh, sold um, it back for. I, I think that the main thing is is that um, the, the business, the way I would have imagined it, is that they want to just focus on what they do best, um, and that that's uh, having strong breweries selling great beers. Um, and Boozebud, when when you look at it at an overall level, um, they sell a huge range of, of alcohol, so it's not just limited to to beer and it's not just limited to CUB or Asahi products. Um, when Booze Butter was originally bought, it was bought when ZX or ABM Bev were, were, were the actual owners of CUB um, and that, that was part of their outlook globally and, and they've acquired different alcohol um, e-commerce providers throughout the world. Um, I, I think with the, the divestment from ABM Viv, um, then it's been a change in philosophy, probably from the management up top, um, that, that that's led to to the sale of Boozebud. Um, but I'm pretty sure that the 
the founders would have been pretty happy with uh, buying it back. And I, I'd imagine they've probably got it at a discount after selling it probably at a higher margin as well. CSF, and, and this will be the last question, I've already taken up more sure. time than I was uh, planning to. Um, CSFs are marketed or you know, sold as an investment, um, mm. which traditionally means that people who invest can expect a return, um, you know, assuming the business goes well, can expect a return on their investment. Um, where do you see the um, investors who invest in this getting a return on their investment? So the, the I, I guess with us, um, the, our first outlook is is trying to to get as much growth out of the business as possible. We want to maintain that that twenty five percent sort of growth that we talked about, and, and if anything, we want to be able to increase that. With that, that there's potentially dividends that we can pay out down the track as as the the, the business grows and, and there's profitability there. The other option is is a exit or a option of, of what happens to, to the business in the future. So um, we've kind of talked about that, that we're 5 million revenue now. If we look at that 25% um, growth going forwards, then, then there's potential of, of 20 million re- annual revenue in, in six years' time. And when, when you start getting into that, that the double-digit uh, millions and, and sort of 20 plus that that's when um, I guess that, that there's a lot more sort of opportunity for things going forward so whether that is a listing on the ASX or or a investment by a private equity firm or some other that means that that the kind of uh, different options that 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 we're going to to be open for and and, and obviously looking at it all and the best interests of, of everyone that, that sort of comes on board. Um, but, yeah, we, we want to get to that, at least get to the 20 million mark to start with um, and then work out what's going to be um, the, the best way that, that people can maximise their return after that. I, I guess you, you keep coming back to the 25% year-on-year model, but isn't that heavily skewed by the growth over COVID? Bef- outside no, no, of- that, that's for the last five years. They, before, uh, during COVID, it's actually uh, much higher than that. Okay. Just on that then, um, when you look at, you know, I jumped online to get an idea of what a bottle shop is worth and, you know, a bottle shop turning over uh, a tenth of what um, you guys are turning over year on year, you can pick up for 150 grand. So, you know, at, at 10 times that, that's a one and a half million dollar valuation. Um, admittedly, um, bottle shops are harder to grow the business, um, yeah. but it, it, it's still a pretty hefty valuation for a for a business. Do you think um, you know how likely do you think it is that somebody will invest in a you know in, in a an online bottle shop, um, even one that's turning over ten million dollars, you know, in in two or three years? Well, I mean, I guess if if you're looking at likelihood, then then the easiest way is just to look at Boozebud or Jimmy Brings is. You've kind of alluded to before, so I think there's who's the market for it though? I mean, because that that's the that's a little bit like a craft brewer starting now and saying, "Oh, look at Bolter and uh, Feral." You'd need um, you, like you, you you need per you, you need buyers to to do it, and there, there aren't that many buyers around. Well, I mean, within the private equity space, I mean, with, if you're looking at the private equity space, if you're just uh, looking within. The existing industry, then then buyers can be limited. 
but if you're looking at broader kind of horizons where other investors may, may lie, then I think um, uh, there definitely is larger kind of investors out there. Did you have any interest from at you know at the time that Boozebud was selling? You know, have you guys had any people knocking on the door and wanting to run the ruler over the um, over the business or you know, in, invest in the business and take a stake? Yeah, so we have had uh, conversations with people in the past. Um, what sort of? Yeah. I know you can't tell me who, but what <laughs> sort? You know, is it is it private equity? Is it uh, just private investors? Uh, it, it's been a range of, of different ones so far. So. That it's always good when you have those conversations. That that's a great starting point. Um, but I guess that that the other option is, is kind of where the business is at the moment, and then then where it needs wants to be, and and that's kind of why we've we've got this outlook. And and having having talked to uh, different advisors, uh, the the main thing really is is to get one to to, to a ten million mark, and then then look to that that sort of twenty million revenue. Um, and that, that, that's when that there is quite a lot of interest in the market. And that, that's not just from people in Australia, um, but also just uh, globally as well. Can I ask what sort of money they were offering you um, when they were knocking on the door? Because it, it was, clearly wasn't on a valuation of $20 million. Uh, they, they were still early stage conversations, so that, that they weren't going into um, any sort of uh, – we, we hadn't – Gone even to evaluation right. stage, so it was it was I guess uh, starting some conversations that that that's potential seeds for the future, um, but but it wasn't anything that I guess we weren't looking to divest in any way at that that point in time. Um, we, we still, as we do now, see that there's a lot of growth potential left in the business, um, and yeah, so our focus has, has always been just. On, on, on keeping on working on that yep. um, for the time being. So, so nothing recently, like n- nothing in, in as COVID has hit and things have really uh, rocketed ahead. You haven't had people going, this looks like a good thing. Uh, we'd love to sort of take you guys to the next level. No, not currently. Um, and uh, in a way, it's probably been uh, almost a good thing that we haven't been distracted with that just because it has been a, uh, a crazy 12 months, that's for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Now, Ed, I, I, I did say I was going to put a pin in it um, and I, I, I will just come back to it very quickly. Um, when you talked about welcoming to the beer cartel family, the last uh, equity crowdfunding that talked about welcome to the family was Endeavour, um, Endeavour oh, Brewing. Right. That hasn't done terribly well um you know none of the projections that they made um very different business model i i, mm-hmm. I take it on that but at the yep. same time one of the things that they've struggled with and one of the things that uh, even um dan dayton you know spoke when we looked at 12 months after his equity crowdfunding he found for the the money that was raised the headaches in terms of managing the investors he probably wouldn't have done it again um in Endeavour hasn't sort of exactly been a showpiece. What makes you guys different in terms of, um, as a business, looking after your new family, um, you know, better than perhaps some of the other equity crowdfunders have? I guess at the, the top end, it, it's we're, we're not sort of fragmented with, with lots of uh, core investors at, at the very start. So we, we don't have, like Endeavour, uh, I think they had five or six directors that – were all shareholders that uh, some were based in Australia, some were based overseas, 
um, that, that were kind of founders of the business, but may not necessarily aligned in their sort of direction of things. Um, so I, I think that, that that's probably one strength that, that so Jeff and I started the business 12 years ago. Uh, we, we'd worked together uh, probably for two or three years prior to that. So, so we have a, a working relationship that, that that's worked uh, really well. We're, uh, if you compare us to to Endeavour and and um, Dainton, we've probably got more runs on the board from a, I guess that length of time we've been around, and also just a, a, a sort of revenue model. Um, we, we've uh, got a, a great team that that are really sort of um, helping drive the business going forward, which is. Uh, been a key strength, I guess, from the, the actual managing sort of stakeholders side of thing. Um, that there are different platforms that you can use. Uh, one is called Cake Equity that you can use to sort of manage uh, stakeholders sort of communications. And we'll, we'll definitely be making use of, of that um, to, to, I guess, help keep people informed. And then if you look at the likes of, of Black Ops, I, I think they're probably quite a good um, example of, of, of a brewery that, that is keeping all, all their um, shareholders pretty well informed and, and they are quite a, a big part of the, the business and, and any future stuff that Black Ops does. And, and we're, we're definitely going to try and go down that path. We, we already have a, um, a Facebook group that, that's got 7,000-odd people in it that uh, runs pretty well and, and I think creating something like that for our investors is a great option as well. Terrific. Well, as we speak, uh, 382888 uh, $887. Um, so you're, you're well on the way to, to the uh, target. So thank you very much for talking through. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're not easy questions, but uh, certainly they're ones that, looking at some of the comments that have been posted on uh, the, the various discussion groups, a lot of people have. So thank you for uh, being willing to step up and answer them. No problem. no problem. Appreciate appreciate the hard questions. <laughs> and all, all the best for the for, for the raise and also most importantly for the business uh, post raise. Thanks. Fantastic. Appreciate Thanks, it. Matt. Don't forget if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at bruisenews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Bruise News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. 